This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Mother Humphrey's Ice Lollies. Lovely lips love luscious ice lollies. Find us alongside the last locomotive at London Liverpool line. Special offer today, Tutti Fruity Ice Lollies for 50p. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! I'm Brandon! And I'm Jeff, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about our you being served. Ah, hello, ding. Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, Unanimous. How you doing? I'm good, Mr. Brandon. How are you tonight? Uh, I've been licking those lovely, lo- luscious <laughs> ice lollies and, man. Uh, Easy for you to say. Not so. I, I should have added loquacious to that somewhere. Mother Humphrey's loquacious, lovely lip lolly. I don't know. Lots of Two. alliteration. There you go. But no synecdoche. <laughs> I've never been to that part of New York State. So um, this is kind of getting a little, freaking me out a little bit, Mr. Jeff and you. Because we're so close to the end? We're so close to the end. It's like we're sailing to the edge of the earth and I can see where um, the water cuts off and, of course, the world is flat. In this <laughs> because example. the world is flat, of course. Yeah, we're getting close. So how many more episodes, including gambling fever, do we have until the final one of the show? So... Um, Tonight we're doing Gambling Fever. Next week we're doing The Nightclub. After that, it's um, Friends and Neighbors with where they share the apartment. Mr. Humphreys, come over yeah. and give me a baby. <laughs> and then it's, then it's the pop star. So including tonight, we've only got four episodes left. Oh, my God. What are we going to do? Oh, don't worry. We're going to do all of the other weird episodes and... Beans of Boston and Grace and Favor and all that stuff. So we're good. We'll, we'll be around for another couple uh, couple of months. Unanimous decades, don't worry. decades. I think. <laughs> I, I think if if we said, you know what, unanimous, we're just going to call it a night. I think we would have to fear for our lives. I think so too. I think we would have to like uh, put up the fortress around our compound here in northern Mississippi. Yeah, you know, because um, we would get invaders. Maybe we could just say like, you know, the best show ever is Full House. And we would just make everyone hate us so much they would just we'd be dead. Now that we have the th- full house people coming after. Never mind. I should There's got to be a full house podcast, isn't there? Should there be? I mean, let's just be honest. Like, well, you know, what? I I want to look this up. I want to know because I think that would be that could be really um, so Depressing. kitschy to do. Mm. No, <laughs> we, we could like we'll call it like you got it, dude, or something like that. Oh, no, <laughs> you th- got th- it, dude. There already is one. It's called How Rude. Or I was going to say, <laughs> Cut It Out. I cut thought D- Dave Coulier was the coolest dude ever, which says a lot about me. Um, okay, so tri- yeah. quick trivia question. Okay. In the 1990s, there were two pop songs written about Dave Coulier. <laughs> Do you know what they are? Oh, oh, wait, wait. Okay, I've seen this Broadway show four times. Okay. Um, and I know that... Um, Alanis Morissette dated okay. Dave Coulier. That's correct. If you're too young, just Google these people, children. Um, and I think You Ought to Know was written by, about a tumultuous Ding. relationship with Dave Coulier. That is correct. Ding. Where's, uh, I tell you what, Gladys is still getting those those dings hammered out at the shop, the body <laughs> shop. She wanted to go all chrome. She couldn't do it. She had a layaway plan, but it didn't work. So there's no dinging at this at the moment. Uh, what's the other one? The other one is also written about a real life experience with Dave Coulet, where he noticed two he noticed the, the band members walking down the street and he screamed um, out his call co- out his friend's car at them trying to pick them up. <gasps> Don't tell me um it's no scrubs. It is no scrubs. No way. That's no crazy. Scr- no scrubs is about Dave Coulet. Yep. Seriously? Seriously. This is like Kevin Bacon, but even more obscure. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that's crazy. Okay. So yeah. bring it back to our world. <laughs> okay. So um, back to Are You Being Served? The unanimous are blowing up our socials. Oh, my God. Think- and blowing up in- implies bad. 
No, all, no, good, good. Good. This is all good. This is all good. Yeah. Um, so, again, just to reiterate the people, we don't want people driving down the 101 freeway and they're, they're just like their hands are shaking because they think we're not going to do grace and favor. Are you being served again? Do not worry, gentle people. It will happen. So just be patient. Um, so, but yes. Bef- before we get into the romper room magic mirror of all the people who <laughs> like us on Facebook now, <laughs> staying on topic of the grace of favor, original superfan Jeff Y, the other Jeff. Uh, the the original in, other Jeff, yes. Wrote in with a really good suggestion for all the anatomists. Uh, and that is to start catching up with Are You Being Served Again? Stroke Grace and Favor Now. Because I've said on this podcast before that I haven't watched it since the 80s on PBS. The and I think you've said the same thing. Well, right? don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, if you have BritBox, we are not sponsored by BritBox. But, but if, you have, if you have BritBox, it, uh, the entire series is available on there. And if you're located in the States, you can get the, the complete series on DVD from Amazon for 16 bucks. $16. I mean, that's two what, whatchamacallit drinks from Bloody Book Burks or whatever. Um, <laughs> Who also does not sponsor us. I prefer Bellissimo Coffee Works uh, much more than the other bucks. Uh, I'd rather my <laughs> bucks not go to Starbucks. I'd rather go to Bellissimo Coffee Works in Iowa. Thank you very much. Ding. Um, Thank you, super fan Heidi. Yes, hello, um, Heidi. Yeah, so so you start getting, um, you know, maybe watch the first two episodes to get into it. Um, so that before we start recording uh, about that in the new year, um, yeah. you can be acclimatized. So thanks for the suggestion, Jeff Y. Yeah, and you know, I'll also throw this out. Um, it is the same show from Are You Being Served? It is the same people, the same actors, maybe two or three different new people, which are, which mm-hmm. work very well with the cast. But it's the same characters in the future because time has maybe what twenty five years, so it's um, it's it's already being served. So if you've never seen Are You Being Served or Grace and Favor, um, you'll love it. It's it's already being served. It's it, you know there's really no big change. So there's no reason for you not to be a big fan. Shall we spoil the plot for anyone who might not have seen it so they can understand? Because they're not in the department store anymore. Yeah, let's 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 blow yeah. that up as well. <laughs> so the whole the whole plot is they they all move in together into the Grace Brothers retirement home, but it turns out it's an aging B and B that doesn't have any staff left, and they have to run it rather than being able to retire there. It's an excuse to get the old gang back together. Yeah, that's basically all it is, right? But yeah, they have Mister Moulard. Mr. Molterd, Molterd, I guess. Um, Molterd, like, yeah. Molterd. He's the lovely West Country um, um, kind of groundskeeper guy. There's a couple episodes of the original series where they make fun. In fact, Roots was one of them, which a lot of people haven't seen for good reasons, uh, where they make fun of, um, I guess, West Country, like Somerset. That's it. Right. So, so he's a very Somersetian kind of... Um, accent guy his daughter um oh fleur uh, no fleur is the mm-hmm. actress fleur bennett but what is her um mavis mavis multered her that's the daughter and she kind of has a um romantic rendezvous shall we say with our mr humphreys mm-hmm. which is uh confusing to a lot of people on many levels <laughs> and i think that was it really just those two people as kind of like supporting characters the added if i if I recall, I, you know, I'm going to start watching it myself pretty soon to get myself back into it. But anyway, um, so yeah, that, that's just uh, one suggestion from one of our super fans. Yeah. Um, we did also hear from Cheryl, George, Dave, Jeffrey, and Graham on Facebook. Thank you for joining us. You've all done very well. We've also heard from a very special super fan uh-huh. uh, named Heather, and this was all on Facebook. So hello, Ms. Heather. Um, so she is a great big old Looney Tune fan. So a couple episodes ago, there was a joke about Mr. Um, who was it? Was it Captain Peacock and the mean new lady from Toiletries? And oh, Miss Featherstone. Miss Feather. Yeah, there's a back and forth. And lovely Ms. Heather, um, who did All's Done Very Well, she messaged in to say um, there was a Looney Tune style skit that that scene was kind of making fun of. So mm-hmm. it originally aired in 1951. It was called Rabbit Fire. Get it? Okay. Rabbit, Rabbit cute, Fire. Cute pun. All right. Nice. So, and she says, the dialogue of the episode is mainly between Daffy and Bugs Bunny. Okay. In duck season or rabbit season. Which one is it? Da, da, da. And in the middle is Elmer Fudd. 
Oh, so okay. It was I knew sort Elmer of, was involved somehow. Yeah, so like they were okay. saying which season is it for rabbits or ducks, and they were like arguing, and it was cute. And we made kind of like an offhanded comment, oh, it's like the thing from the Looney Tunes. And we have one of our fans who's like a super expert on it. She also said, very interestingly, this is the same episode where Bugs Bunny dresses up as a beautiful lady hunter to confuse Elmer Fudd, kind of the way that uh, Captain Peacock does to kind of eschew, kind of like push away Mrs. Featherstone, Miss Featherstone. No, no, no. So I'm sorry. Uh, Captain Peacock does it to push away the romantic interest of the, the, um, the woman from accounts. Miss Humphrey's dressed up as Blanche, the MP's wife, to put off Miss Featherstone. There was a lot of cross-dressing drag, who yeah. knows, in that episode. So it was kind of funny how she noticed that there were some similarities with that episode of the Looney Tunes. And a uh, uh, podcaster's privilege here. Uh, we wanted to say a very pre-shout-out and hello to baby Elizabeth Lucy, who I don't think is here yet, but she's about to be. So uh, hello, little Elizabeth Lucy. And uh, Heather said that if she's having another baby, she promises to name her Rachel Yiddle. <laughs> and that was my personal request. Does that make me like Rumpelstiltskin somehow or something? I don't know. Well, congratulations in advance, <laughs> Heather. You've all done very well. You've all done very well. Uh, and hello, baby Elizabeth Lucy. So that How's was Twitter team. been doing, Mr. Brandon? <gasps> don't get me started on Twitter. I can't handle <laughs> it. Um, so we've heard from superfan Elena, Eliana, Elena something hello um she has a really cool website it's the are you being served central website so uh -huh. i've kind of known about this it's been around for 14 years which is for websites that's a while yep. um so she was cool and she's like hey i love the show um and here's my website check it out so if you're wanting some websitey stuff for the show it's aybscentral.com so thanks for that. That was cool. She also says on the website that it's, quote, with support from Jeremy Lloyd. What does Ooh. that mean? That's like very – like there's a story behind that. Maybe she will call the Peacock hotline and let us know. That's kind of cool. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, we've been, we've been uh, hearing from the people. We also heard from James over email who sent us some great one-liners, uh, symptoms that you might be addicted to are you being served. <laughs> Yeah, and he found it from, like, a listserv, like, 73 years ago or something like that. It was more spelled originally. What's a listserv? Oh, a, B a BBS. What's a BBS? Um, <laughs> Minitel from France. Anybody? No? Okay. Go to ask your grandparents' children. There you go. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yep. So that was awesome. Um, so. Yeah. So while you're at it, please, everyone, uh, check out our bargain basement at imfree.threadless.com and wear a mask and wash your hands. And as always, Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Yes, indeed. And you've all done very well. I love how we like made that banter in every episode. Right. That's kind of cool. Yeah. We don't know what the hell we're doing. We're just doing it. So, Mr. Jeff, uh, take us back. What the hell are we doing listening to this podcast about anyway? Tonight we are talking about Series 10, Episode 4, Gambling Fever. And for those of you playing along at home, you will know that this is my third favorite episode of the entire <laughs> series. So I will have a lot to say about because this Because he would have a list of his top enumerated numbered uh, episodes. So yes. So this originally premiered on March 11th, 1985. And that week in the news, at the top of the Billboard 100 chart was Can't Fight This Feeling by REO Speedwagon. And at the top of the UK singles chart was You Spin Me Round Like a Record by Dead or Alive. Um, I know one of those two. Actually, I know <laughs> both, but both are good karaoke songs, I think. Both are good karaoke songs. You're That's kind of like, right. so you are like, the, your little psychological profile is like, he has, he enumerates the episodes, his favorite one through 10. Brandon's like, can you sing it at karaoke or right. not? Meaning if I like the song or not. So there we go. <laughs> There we go. Um, that week, Mikhail Gorbachev became premier of the Soviet Union. Duh. Uh, the first internet domain name, Symbolics.com, was registered uh, to a defunct computer, a now defunct computer company in Massachusetts. I wonder if that was symbolic of the company. Yeah. Ba -dum -ba -ba -dum -ba. Ah. 
And uh, the Welsh miners' strike ended after 51 weeks. And if any of you have seen the 2014 movie Pride, uh, that's based on these events where uh, a local a local lesbian and gay coalition decided to raise money for the minors because they saw how they were being portrayed in the media, much like lesbians and gays were. And this unseen coalition ended up coming out. And when um, Section 58, I think is the number, I'm not sure, when there was all of that work being done to take that down, uh, the National Miners Union was one of the first people to be very vocal about campaigning for LGBT plus rights in the UK. Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. a really cool movie. I mean, it's all historically accurate. So um, the LGBT folks, um, although they didn't call themselves that back then, kind of got together with these big, rough, manly miner union in kind of a unusual coalition. Uh, but no. they had the same age. I think this is also the height of Thatcherism. Is that right? We've talked about That's that on the exactly show. Right. That's exactly right. Because they didn't like right. unions and we're going to go bust them up, blah, blah, blah. So, all right. So I noticed uh, as the episode starts, it has that funny thing where it says, are you being served? Question mark. And then it zooms up the, up the screen, right? The, the opening credits. Highfalutin graphics for 1985. Oh, man. Somebody that. had to bust a, a budget item for that one. Right. Hello. So uh, over the, the well, under, behind the opening titles, we see uh, the ladies coming in, and they are doing a very good job at miming to us that it is hot in the store. They are <laughs> fanning themselves. They are pulling on their blouses to cool down. They are signaling heat, right? Uh, over on the gentleman's corner, counter, uh, Spooner is fanning himself with a handhold electric battery fan, and um, Harmon comes in with a walkie-talkie, Right. Uh, it turns out that Grace Brothers has yet another new security system that's just been installed at the weekend. This seems very familiar. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like this is the third security system that they're on. Um, and the cameras, uh, the, the monitors are now in what used to be the gents' fitting room. So they decide to have a look around to see what they can see in the store. They peek in on Rumpel's office and he's using furniture polish on his bald head. Because I guess he wants that Mr. Clean shine. <laughs> and then Captain Peacock says, so that's how he stays so uh, lemony fresh or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, down, down in the packing department, they're playing cards. And it looks like uh, Seymour's got uh, three of a kind that he's ready to play. So that's good. Very good. Uh, and then back on the floor, Miss Brahms is fixing her suspenders or her garter belts. And she's smoking a cigarette while she's doing it. Um, I think we've seen all of the other characters smoke before, but not Miss Brahms. And it's a little odd um, that that's being introduced for her in 1985. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know if it's because she was later in Benidorm and like, I think she was smoking a lot in Benidorm when she guest starred. And in EastEnders. You know what? It's probably EastEnders. That's yeah, what it EastEnders, is. Yeah, EastEnders. Yeah. At yeah. that point, so because remember last episode we talked about how... Was it um, Goodbye, Mrs. Slocum was the first episode, like it aired a couple of days before or after the first episode of Coronation Street that... Nope. Uh, Grounds for Divorce was the night before the first episode of EastEnders. Yes. Coronation, I'm sorry. <laughs> I always, I, I'm a Corey fan, not an EastEnder. I'm sorry, UK people. Uh, yes, absolutely right. So, Interesting. Because I, I, when I think of Wendy Richard, I think of a smoker because of, of Because of Benidorm and, and EastEnders, yeah. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. I get it. Hmm. Um, Captain Peacock comes in a little bit late, and he's wearing Bermuda shorts, um, which is unusual for him. And they all, they all marvel at how young his knees look, what right? What dishy knees you have, Captain Peacock. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Harmon asks, have you been traveling half there on the buses? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, can't, I, I assume that means kids only paid half fare for buses and because he's wearing shorts which in the uk means for i don't think it's so much these days, a kid yeah. back then like you would only wear long trousers when you hit like 13 or right. so yeah instead of a bar mitzvah you get trousers you get I long guess. long long trousers yeah <laughs> they're all complaining at the heat um uh, Mrs. Slocum says, look at my foundation cream. It's beginning to crack. Well, if you was a block of flats, you'd be condemned by now. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't think because they have foundations. And if they were cracked, oh, I get it. Okay. There you go. 
Thank mm. you for explaining that joke, right? Um, yeah. Spooner apparently talked to Mr. Humphreys at some time before the opening titles and um, let him know that he had a puncture, but he's going to be here on time. Okay. So hold that on one to for later. Yeah, yeah, hold on to that for a while. We don't know a puncture and exactly what. Because uh, yeah. I thought that he took the bus or the tube in. I was but, assuming he'd come in on a hot air balloon or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it turns out this Miss um, Belfridge has been hanging out in the women's fitting room and rumbled requires her. And everyone is livid that they that this How secretary bad. who is not floor personnel <gasps> has been on the floor without anyone's permission. They send in Miss Brahms after her. Yeah, come out here. Rumbled once. You want the double. Uh, and she's wearing a leopard bikini, a very, very tiny leopard bikini. And we are being generous by saying it's a bikini because it's... Oh, it's basically uh, floss. Like a, like yeah. It's more like a, a, a fabric serviette that's been strategically <laughs> folded. Right. Yeah. And of course, Captain Peacock decides not to tell her off. He gets all flustered all, all together about seeing her in her buxom state up in his face. And I will say, I did notice on this episode that... She was featured not quite prominently, but she was definitely on screen. Like there were a lot of scenes, especially in the in Mr. Rumble's office, where the camera just would sort of just lay on her face where she would right. giggle. Watch her giggling. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, at this point it's like we need we, we know the people like Miss uh, Belfridge give the people what they want. We know Mr. Humphreys is going to say, I'm free and like lots of gay jokes. So it's the greatest hits season, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're doing all of their great jokes one more time before they call it quits. Right. You know, if, if I were an actor and I was doing it for the 11th or 12th year or whatever, I would be like, you know, let's just give the people what they want. And it's probably just really fun at that point, you know? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Humphreys finally arrives, and he is uh, riding a bicycle oh attached to an ice cream cart. <laughs> <laughs> and he's wearing, like, a uh, Jolly Holiday outfit from uh, Mary Poppins. Yep. Right? Absolutely. Like the, the stripey kind of thing. And he looks so cute. So funny. It, tur- it turns out that he's been selling his mother's ice cream uh, on the side, and he got a puncture on the M1. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, that is the name of the highway that connects Watford, London to Leeds. So it's like one of the, the main highways in the United Kingdom. Would you say it's the busiest, widest lane? It's probably like Los Angeles for U- the UK, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like saying I, I-95 or, or the 5 in California. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's a pretty pretty big. Pretty so of course big, I well picture known. poor Mr. Humphreys like zooming down the road, <laughs> right? With this little tricycle thing. Oh, it turns gosh. out that there's only one ice lolly left for fifty p, and they're all salivating over it. Like it's like I guess because it's so hot, mm, but yeah. as if they had never seen this kind of thing before. Um, none of them can afford it. Uh, except for Captain Peacock, right? Miss Brahms even asks for it on tick which is short for ticket, so like a credit note. Uh, oh. we'll, see, we'll see this phrase come up again a little bit later. So Peacock is holding his um, ice lolly, very rigid and proud and standing tall. Mm. And Miss Belfridge comes out in a red bikini and his lolly melts. And shouldn't it, like, I understand that the lolly would, he wouldn't buy the lolly in a melted state and then get it to a rigid state. But it was just something to do about, you know, his I, uh, tumescence, his turgidity. Oh, that's uh, so fancy words. Um, penis. His, I, I would think, um, I definitely thought of like something phallic because. Oh, yeah. No, that's what it was. But I don't understand why it went down when Miss Belfridge was in the bikini. Yeah, I, I think it would be maybe a little. Well, I don't know if it'd be too much for the TV, but if it was melted. Right. And oh, it's dry. Oh, dread. It's melted. Oh, I don't mind. Sure. I'll buy it anyway. And then when he sees her, it becomes rigid again. But yeah, that might have crossed the that line. That might have been too much. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, but I, I love the little story about Mr. Humphreys, how he, uh, a, a blue Ferrari or blue um, Jaguar backed into his mud flap. And then he was zooming down, going up, going up to Leeds. <laughs> and then he took a train with his bicycle somehow back. And I don't know. It's just a picture him. Oh, Mr. Humphreys. Oh, love it. We only yeah. have four more entrances, folks, of the original series. So 
I, I can't wait to see what the, the, the maybe that's something we need to do <laughs> it's like have a screenshot of all the entrances from now all on. the entrances <laughs> um over in mr rumble's office mr Harmon breaks the news that the bonuses have been approved by the board Woo-hoo. and he flashes his wad of cash because he's already gotten paid how does the packing department know before upper middle management because they empty the waste pepper wet baskets, Jeff. I, I mean, guess so. On. I guess so. Uh, Mr. Grace calls <laughs> and uh, let's confirms to Mr. Rumble that the bonuses are being paid, except for his. Oh, so no. it's nice that we haven't seen Mr. Grace in a couple of seasons. The off-screen character still exists. Yeah, it's interesting because when I didn't even think that I didn't see Mr. Grace, but in right? my mind's eye, I did. But you're right. He's never actually seen for the rest of the of the, this whole series. So... so Cool. When Mr. Grace called, were you thinking about old Mr. Grace or young Mr. Grace? Oh, definitely young Mr. Grace. Definitely like the, young the original, Mr. Grace. The, the real Mr. Grace, if I can be so bold. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so we learned that there's a, a scheme going on called FHB, which stands for Family Hold Back, which basically means um, let the guest serves themselves first. Like if you have like your entire like extended family and neighbors and friends over for a meal for like um, – a potluck meal or a buffet style meal, okay. you might say to your kids, FHB, like let your, let the guests serve themselves oh, first. Right? I thought it was just a stupid acronym that they made up. I've never heard of this term before. Yeah. No, that's, that's a real thing. It's not one of those uh, DC stroke CR <laughs> things that they made up for the show. Um, Rumbled is so incensed that he's not getting paid his bonus the same time as everyone else that he resigns and hangs up the phone. Don't worry. He'll call me back and beg me to stay. Within five seconds, he doesn't call back. <laughs> so Rumble picks up the phone and says, well, I, I got cut off, Mr. Grace. I resigned myself to not getting my bonus just he's yet. So, I love how he's like, oh, yes, I'm the crawler. <laughs> I'm the crawler, exactly. So down in the counting, everyone is counting out their cash because they got paid their bonus. Yum. Um, Mrs. Slocum and Mr. Humphreys have about 100 pounds each. So that would have been worth about $130 then. And today, okay. that would have been worth about 300 pounds or about $425 today. So that's like quite a substantial amount of money. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a big bonus, right? Um, Humphreys gets a bigger bonus um, because even though he hasn't been there as long as the women, because he's a man, because men get paid more. Yeah, and that, that really stuck out to me. Um, hold on a minute. Why are you getting more money? I, we're, we're here. We've been here for longer than you. Which I thought was interesting. Like we don't. That's that's not canon apparently, but it has been made canon in this episode. I, I yep. thought Mr. Humphreys was there earlier, but um, and then he says, "You forget, I'm a man," which is almost like saying, "Yes, men make more than women," and neener neener. Like so yeah. what you know? And now that's like uh, pay equity is a big thing. But back then it was almost like you forgot, I'm a man. That's why I make more than you. That's yeah. That's just common Crazy. common sense, quote unquote. Oh my god. Of the times, yeah. What is it? A woman in the United States this year, 2021, makes like 72 cents for every one dollar that the that a male equivalent makes. 77, 78 cents somewhere there. A white, a white woman. Oh, good point. Good point. Right. Yeah. Um. And Mr. Spooner hasn't gotten his bonus yet. Again, this will become important later on, so hang on to that. Okay. <laughs> um, the canteen manageress is in such a good mood because she also got her bonus that she's <laughs> serving the coffee herself. Except her penny. Oh, my God. What has she been? She's she been butchering the cow herself. It is so gross. It is unhygienic. Glass of water for Mr. Jeff. <laughs> um, it doesn't look. I mean, when did she ever look charmingly put together? No, but I mean, I, I understand that she's cooking. When you cook, things get messy. But that's insane how dirty it is. It's the canteen, Jeff. I'm surprised it's I taking know. this long to realize. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every episode when we go down to have a little break, don't you notice that the grime of the look? I, uh, I bring my white true. glove and I, I, I try not to test things, but I can't help myself. The canteen manageress even offers to yes. fan everyone down. She calls the staff in, and they come in with these long um, poles with fans on them, like they're Egyptian princesses and, pr- and princes, and fans them down. Meanwhile, do you know what those things really were? Yes, I do. Damn you. They're, <laughs> they're called flabellums, and they were used to... Um, uh, they gained popularity in the Roman Catholic Church in the fourth century to keep um, the flies away from the host 
uh, from the 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 bread and blood, um, the body and blood of Christ oh. during Mass. I was just going to say it was something to beat rugs with. So <laughs> they do they do look like that as well. They do look like rug beaters. You're absolutely right. Jeff's like throwing out the Latin over here, and I'm like, <laughs> you just beat rugs with it. Oh well. Oh well. Um, do do you know why hand fans work? Why do um, they cool you down? Because the wind and it's like it's an autumn breeze? I don't know. So it's not just about moving around air, right? So the, the way that the, the fans works, the, the moving of the air promotes um, evaporation of sweat, which cools you down. Right, because when you're sweat, you, you, when you're hot, you're sweating, and it sticks on your skin, and you feel hot and sweating, gross. Mm. But if the air is moving, it'll evaporate, which cools you down. Hand fans only work when the ambient air temperature is lower than skin temperature. So if it's above ninety-two degrees or so, hand fans will not work. Boys, boys, you can you can you can cut it out. It's not going to work. It's too hot. You can you can go home. Okay. <laughs> Jeff, would you call yours off? I mean, the left side of the studio, it's just, it's too hot in here. It's not going to work. <laughs> like, you'll feel some temporary relief from the, just the movement of the air alone, but it's not going to evaporate off your skin. Hey, Chuck, Chuck, you guys, you and you guys can go home, okay? Yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. Okay. You know, it's expensive to, to heat and cool this Chuck. damn silo. But, oh well. Chuck. <laughs> Um, I feel I feel like an Egyptian queen. <laughs> Funny you say that. Is that what he says? That's what he says. I yeah. love how um, everyone just looks at Mr. Humphreys and he turns his head and everyone ro- rolls out in laughter. Um, I love it. Good old Mr. Humphreys. We see from the back of the canteen that Mr. Rumbold is in the executive dining room begging for his bonus. And Mr. Grace starts throwing bread rolls <laughs> at him to get him out. He ends up crashing into the canteen manageress who drops her tray of coffees, and she also drops her good mood, insists her staff drop the fans and get back to the kitchen. Okay, hold on. So not only is, like, Mr. Grace throwing bread, but so it's so funny because, you know, the crawler, Mr. Rumbold, he's, like, backing away slowly like you do to the queen. He's like, thank you, Mr. Grace. Thank you. I'm so glad you got my my bonus sorted out. Thank you so much. And, of course— But he didn't. That's the thing. He didn't get his bonus sorted out. Out. I thought he did. No, and, he's he's telling him no. Get out of the can't get out of the dining room. And oh, I, mis- I misread that. But then yeah. he's like so off camera behind the scenes. They must have had a big basket of dinner rolls, and they were just like pelting this poor actor <laughs> with bread. Poor uh, Nicholas Smith. Yeah, and then of course, as she drops all of the the man dress drops all the teas and stuff instantly she gets really bitchy and really mean and then she goes up and like does this like witch's hex with her hand to the camera to oh man that was like i wonder if that's the last time we see her but if that Um, was the last time that was a fabulous exit i think no i think i think she's in every episode of season 10 oh okay wow but i loved how like of course like you know we're recording this close to halloween and i thought oh she's kind of an evil like cruella de vil type it must have been really fun to play that role. Despite throwing bread rolls from the dining room, Mr. Grace is in a good mood because he does have a horse in the race today, Like as in he owns one the horses that are racing. Uh, Mother's mm. Boy is in the first race, and um, Harmon's bet 100 pounds on Mother's Boy at 2-1, to one, and then he's going to roll it over to a double on the inside leg at 10-1. to one. So Mr. Harmon stands to win up to 2,000 pounds today. Okay, I'm going to just be Mea Copa. Okay. Which was my aunt's name, Aunt Mea Copa. <laughs> um, okay, well done. Ma- <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. If something is two to one, that means okay. I will double my money. Correct. If something is 10 to one, I put in 100 bucks, I take out $1,000. Correct. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Just wanted to yep. make sure. For, there you for, go. You got for, it. For the unanimous. That's what I meant. Yes. You know, I knew... We- we oh, learned really? that Captain Peacock had a gambling problem. It was like a fever. Thus the episode, the, the namesake of the episode. Yeah. And we get this long soliloquy about how he used to gamble all the time and uh, he would be out in the rain and picking dogs based on the length of their noses. Mm. And it turns out that when he hit rock bottom, it was his wedding night, right? Um, he said, I, I, I used to be at White City betting on the dogs. You know what else is in White City? 
Um, cocaine? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what is it? I'm sure it probably was. That's the location of uh, the old BBC television center where our super fan, Mr. Ben, works out in the basement oh, yeah. that used to be the dressing room. Hallowed yeah. ground. So is White City like the name of like the neighborhood area? Yeah, or? it's the neighborhood, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you about it because I knew you'd know, but yeah. um, okay. So I wonder if White City back then was full of like betting shops and like Ladbrokes and that kind of thing. So I wonder Probably, if we should yeah. kind of like really quickly mention that in the UK and apparently since at least 1985, there's um, there are like the Hippodrome. Uh, what is the great big casino right in the middle of like the gay neighborhood in London? Uh, St. Giles. Yeah. I mean, so there are casinos all over the place at least in london and not only casinos but you have betting shops which are um like sports betting but it's like on the high street so you it's like, instead of like the gap you walk into a store and you can give your money and you can bet and it's usually like older men who stand around and they spend all day there and um, betting on the horses or on the, on the horses or yeah exactly yeah. so um it's something when i was in the uk it just like what you know, because most places in the U.S. in Canada and, and wherever, um, you don't have that proliferation of betting and gambling. But well, over speak there, for yourself, different. Country Mouse, because <laughs> we totally had off-track betting (OTB) um, in New York City. There were betting shops like that in New York City until um, probably until Giuliani closed them down. Mm, or, uh, uh, okay. But I, this, they were they were nation they were nationwide. I think I don't think that it was just a New York City thing. So they probably ended up going out of business around the same time. But yeah, that that used to be a thing in the United States. Oh, uh, but just but just never as widespread because literally you've got William Hill, you've got Ladbrokes, you've got um, another one that has a name that sounds obscene but really isn't. Uh, I can't recall what it is, but yeah, you could just like on, <laughs> yeah, on the high street, you've got your Pret-a-Manger, you've got your Greggs, uh, you've got mm. your little Waitrose, and then you've got your William Hill. And then you, across the other side of the street, you've got your Poundland and then you've got your Ladbrokes. Yeah. It's, it's very, very co- common as muck. Uh, and it's <laughs> even like when you go into a pub, there's like a one-armed bandit, which is a slot machine. A fruit you know, machine. A fruit machine. Say. Yeah, and like in the U.S., it's like you have to go to like Atlantic City or Las, Las Vegas or whatever, or well, like no, an Indian casino to find one. But that's 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 also not completely true because there are certain cities in this in in the country that have uh, you're allowed to have slot machines in a regular bar. New Orleans is one of them. Oh, okay. um, I think um, I think in Cleveland you might be able to as well. Who knew we were among a den of vice in the United States? That does suit gambling, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So certain forms of gambling, like slot machines and um, horse betting and sports betting, are not as widespread in the United States as they are in the UK. But they're also not as localized as you may think they are. Especially sports betting is becoming more and more accepted by states. Like in... in um, uh, in New Jersey, one of the things that our state is voting on on November 2nd is whether to allow betting on college sports. Well, I know that there's a Supreme Court case sometime last year, I think, that said, can you open up um, like a, a retail establishment for sports betting? And it was yeah. the ruling said yes. So across the country. So maybe we'll have Ladbrokes. And like Chattanooga and Parsippany and Rancho Cucamonga. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so back to the story. Um, what the hell are we talking so, about? So, <laughs> Mrs. It, on their wedding night, Mrs. Peacock threatened to divorce him if he ever bet more than a fiver. So we learned that, you know, that was the very first part of their marriage potentially yeah. having troubles, right? But the fiver was the limit. Mrs. Slocum figures that it's found money, so losing it won't ruin her life. And they each put in a fiver, except for Mr. Spooner, who only has 50p. So they put in five pounds. That's (laughs) it. So uh, if they double it on the first race, then that's going to be $10. And if they make 10 times it, that's 100 pounds, right? Okay, so so they double their money if they do well. Right. Eventually, Mr. Harmon convinces them to go all – Mr. Humphreys, Mrs. Silcom, and Ms. Brahms go all in. Peacock tries, but Mr. Harmon won't take it because he's trying to give it up. 
And then Peacock runs off to the betting shop because he has to bet it all. So I ask you, Mr. Brandon, if you got an unexpected bonus, so when we did the arithmetic before, what was 100 pounds then... Like 450 bucks, right? Would be the same purchasing power as $425 today. Mm. So if you randomly got across, got $425 somehow that you were not expecting, would you gamble it for the chance at winning $8,500? Damn. If okay, here's the thing. <laughs> Mr. Young Mr. Grace made this joke actually on one of the episodes like a series ago. Um he's uh, it was one, one episode where there were like a financial crunch and they didn't know what to do and he said, "We could the always credit crunch. We could always burn down the store and collect the insurance money." <laughs> and then Mr. Grace, I'm surprised. It worked in 1922, right? So, and then one of the other things was um what we could always go to the casino and put it all on red or, or no, no. I think he said something like we could take all of the money left over and buy lottery tickets. It has a very high risk, but a very big reward or something like that. <laughs> so I've always said, you know, if I ever was really bad with money, which <laughs> we'll see how that works. Um, I could just all put all of the money on, on red or black and just I have 50, 50 is it optimism or pessimism. So I always like to say, I'll just do that, you know, ride or die. I don't know. I should probably put it in a mutual fund and capital gains, but that's not very fun. What about you? See, if I I had $425 that just randomly I I came into that I wasn't expecting, I don't necessarily know that I would bet it all at once. Like, I could see myself taking it to... For like a weekend in Atlantic City and making it last the entire weekend, I could see myself blowing it on something like a like an extravagant purchase that I wasn't expecting. I mean, most likely I would use it to buy a plane ticket somewhere, like the original um, Puss in Boots point of display model prop, right? Puss I mean, that's Puss that's what I would actually do. But I don't know that I would bet it all on on one or two horses. I don't think I'd make mm. that extravagant of a bet. But what if one of the horses was named Ensign Leg? I mean... Well, then it would be a sign. <laughs> that you probably shouldn't bet on that horse. <laughs> Why don't we head on down to the canteen for a tea break and see if the canteen address has calmed down a bit? Yes. Um, nothing with tea. Maybe, like, um, some orange juice, because apparently all the teacups are broken. But uh, we'll see what we can <laughs> scrounge up. And we'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. And we're back from the canteen. I had some lovely buttered rolls. There's there so many of them up down there. Uh, a little dusty, though. But uh, what did you have, uh, Mr. Jeffrey? I didn't trust anything for the canteen address to make after looking at her penny, so I just had some Vento squash. That sounds disgusting, but um, what is Vento oh. squash? Is that like a Bento box made of squash? No, Vimto. It's like Ribena, but a different brand. Not a gourd, a drink. I... The beverage. Okay. It's, it's autumnal around here, and I just thought it was a, a pumpkin or something. So. Pumpkin spice squash, <laughs> do you imagine? <laughs> so where the hell were we in the episode, Mr. Joe? So back on the ladies' counter, we've got a woman trying on hats, and I was on tenterhooks. I'm like, is she going to say it? Is I know, say I was it? too. Oh, that say does it? suit Madame, but no. No. Damn it. Uh, the customer asks... Is it Ascot? 
Meaning, is this appropriate to wear to the Ascot National Race Course? Because any random shop person would know, oh, yes, that's definitely Ascot because her little world is so small full of rich people, right? Right. Well, I mean, well, no, I think that someone in Mrs. Silicon's position would know. Yeah, I suppose. Because Ascot, it's like, it's like Churchill Downs. It's one of the, mo- the most famous race courses um, Which is the where country. they do the Kentucky Derby every year and you have to wear fabulous hats. and Exactly, yeah. right. Miss <laughs> Brobs instead goes, well, there's horses on it, and it's very Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> which the quality, which the, the high-born people of society um, would think Dallas, which at the time was still live on broadcast, and Dallas mm-hmm. was a huge TV show from the States, um, worldwide famous. They've mentioned it several times on the show. I think people of, who are the quality um, would not watch it because it would be too common. Common. Common, common is, is muck. muck. Yes. So um, when she said Dallas, that turned her off. She's like, oh, well, if it looks like Dallas, then I certainly don't want it. Right. Right. Uh, she picks a fight with Mrs. Slocum, and Mrs. Slocum tells her off, I shall remember your name. It's <laughs> Mrs. Davia Winterton. <laughs> she makes up a fake name there, right? Mrs. Davia Winterton. If I'm ever going to, like, book in a hotel, I'm, I'm Mr. Davia Wintington, please. There you go. Um, so Mr. Harmon delivers the news to Captain Peacock that Mr. Rumbold had to run out to the bank. I guess he needed a loan because he didn't get his bonus. And, <laughs> yeah. he, and he has put him in charge while Rumbold's out. Hmm. Uh, the staff know that there's a t- he has got a TV in his office, so they all go in to watch the race. No one's left on the floor. There are still customers to be served, but they run in to watch this um, the, the first race with Mother's Boy, Uh, It turns out that Mr. Rumbold comes back early and he is upset as all get out that the staff are not on the floor and said they're watching television. And then I I love when Mrs. Slocum walks by. She says, spoiled spot, and then sticks out her tongue and walks away. So cute. Um, It turns out that Mr. Grace had asked Mr. Rumbold to watch the the race anyway because he's invested all Mr. Rumbold's um, money on the horse. Of course, so all he does is sit around betting his money on horses, you know, he's sort of like a 90-year-old playboy, really. Yeah. Right? So they're all out on the floor trying to wonder what the conditions of the race are like, what's going to happen. And one of them says, you know, I I wonder, you know, I wonder what the going's like. And when Mm -hmm. I first saw this when I was a little kid, I did not understand it. But now we're going to segue into tell me you're gay without telling me you're gay. I'll go first. Oh, which is a TikTok reference, people. I'm young. I know what that means. TikTok. (laughs) So everything I know about horse racing, I learned from the song A Fugue from Tin Horns when my high school did Guys and Dolls as our spring musical. That is pretty gay. I'll I'll one-up you once. Um, Everything I learned from about horse racing is from this episode of Are You Being (laughs) Served? I'm like, um, uh, fairy queen by, by the, oh, they've reached the post. Oh my God. You know, oh my God. So tell me more. Mr. In the, in the song, a few from tin horns, there is a line that says, um, of course it depends if it all, if it rained last night, likes mud, likes mud. This X means the horse like, likes mud. So when they're talking about the going, it's how is the course? Is it dry? Is it muddy? Are there horses that run better in mud or run better in drier dirt, etc. Like, we had our director explain everything about horse racing in order to put this song into context. Was he so really not learned, a theater person, but really like the basketball coach? And he was like, listen, kids. He, he, was, he was the chemistry and the drama <laughs> teacher. I love it. I love it. Right. Okay. Um, but like we all like learned what the exact and the trifecta and all of it was that day at rehearsal. Oh, where, funny. Where the, the, the three, um, people learned Fugue for Tin Horns. I, of course, cannot carry a tune in a bucket, so I did not sing that song, but for hearing it for three months straight, I know It sticks with it. you. And now, it sticks with you. now you're the biggest queer horse racing fan ever. <laughs> So Mr. Harmon comes back on the floor to give his apologies and say sorry. The horse came in first, but the jockey didn't. Apparently the jockey fell off the horse, so he got disqualified. So they've all all lost their 100 pounds. And we only have to imagine that Captain Peacock's bonus was more, and he's lost more. 
Yeah. Right? That stinks. But Mr. Harmon convinces them to put 10 pounds on the next race because he's still a 10 to 1 and they can get their bonus back. But the problem is none of them had any money. They didn't have the money to buy the ice law at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> How are um, they going to put in a tenor? Well, for luckily the for them, Mr. Harmon's there. And he's like, my God. And this is so his character. He's like a hustler. He's like doing all these little side. What's the thing the kids call them? Side hustles. Yeah. And suddenly he's he's like a, a loan, not a loan shark. He's like a a, uh, a bookie, a pawnbroker, a bookie. He's all my other card. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Mr. Humphreys gives up his watch and chain, which is very special to him because his mother gave him that watch when he became captain of the embroidered <laughs> the team. Embroider team. Not only just he's the captain, which the is captain, right. which is so cute. And I love, love, love Mrs. Slocum's. Um, alligator handbag and he's like well this doesn't feel like alligator and she says oh it's a real clasp and then you can see like the little the prop teeth. it's like yeah. an alligator head from like one of those souvenir shops in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Florida or something with like the little teeth on it and she's like it's yeah. real alligator teeth <laughs> which is so <laughs> stupid <laughs> um, Captain oh. Peacock pawns his cufflinks uh, Mr. Spooner gets only one quid for the electric fan, and Miss Brahms can have the tenor on tick because she's just so naturally charming that uh, she doesn't have anything to pawn. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it turns out that Mr. Harmon has an account, a standing account at William Hill, but he gives a false name, John Blinker. And I'm wondering if that was like for tax evasion purposes or because he didn't want it to be traced hmm. to him because it was kind of like... Um, you know, really common or like looked down upon to have an account at a betting shop. Well, well one thing first, um, it's interesting. He's, he has William Hill, which is one of those betting shops that you mentioned yeah, earlier. In the that's, episode. that's a real one. Yeah. That's not, yeah, that you can one. still go to those today. Um, John Blinker makes me think it's Cockney rhyming sign, right? Mm. Blinker. Good call. John Blinker, Blinker stinker. Well, Reggie Blinker, uh, is Cockney rhyming slang for stinker, which means someone who is um, bad at football. Which, so if you're in a betting shop all the, all day long, maybe can, can you? Maybe I that's if you can where bet it is. Who will lose instead of who will? Also oh, you win. totally can. You totally can. Okay, so I bet you so a John Blinker is someone who hangs out at the betting shop all day. Maybe I don't know something like that. Yeah, the magic of Cockney um, rhyming slang. So they really want to watch the race to see if they're going to win their, their bonuses back. <laughs> yeah. So, But they, they're not going to be able to go to the TV and Mr. Rumble's office. So what, what are they Humphreys going to does, do? Mr. Humphreys is going to go down to the radio department and listen to the results live. And then mm-hmm. what he's going to do is he's going to mime it into the security camera, which they'll watch from the fitting room. Well, not only that. Originally, they were just, he was just going to like tell you on the on the camera, but of course, when they get in there, oh, sorry, you're absolutely inexplicably right. the the audio for his microphone doesn't work. But right. I will say how lovely and cute it is that the electronics department is clearly the gentleman and ladies department with like shelves with like a turntable right. and a radio just randomly sitting there. Yeah. So cute because in the seventies, people didn't you know it's you know it, it, you would see it over and uh, over an aerial, over a, an antenna. It would probably have some snow in the screen. You wouldn't notice the details. But today, with all the HD sets and stuff, we just kind of nitpick everything. And like, oh, this isn't real. But I well, thought it was comically cute how bad Absolutely, it because the, the toy department is a different oh set it was a whole than thing. the ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I wonder, that must have been from another television show that they probably had oh, at maybe. the BBC. You know, do you think they they built the set for the roof for Are You Being Served? Or was there another show somewhere? Probably. You're absolutely Mm. right. That's probably how it worked, right? Maybe it would be so fun if someone out there knew that, oh, yeah, the the toy store, the toy floor set is from another TV show. And here's where you can see it. Wouldn't that be cool? So this is my favorite part of this episode and why it is my third favorite episode of the entire Mr. Jeff is like levitating and vibrating in his seat at the recording studio as we record this right now. It's the whole gag. It's the whole visual gag about the charades. (laughs) And the fact that even as a child, I could cotton on how ridiculous it was that 
they were able to guess these <laughs> signals that don't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into that, I'm going to go on a little bit of tangent oh, about another kind of charades that I like. And there is a um, there's a Canadian game show from the 70s, which is called Party Game. Okay. Uh, and it's basically three celebrities or four, uh, six celebrities get together and they just play charades for an hour. Right. And they made a TV show out of it and people watched it. And they made it, exactly. And it is so 70s with the decor and the way that they're all dressed and the way that they all get along with each other that my friend and unanimous listener, Mr. Zach, has um, referred to this show as Key Party Game because they likely had a fishbowl offset. Lots and lots offset. of, of uh, cocaine. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 so it's rather than like trying to guess the name of a of a movie or the name of a book, what they have to do is they have these long, complex sentences, which are um, which are riddles that they have to act out like every single word. So like the the quintessential example of it is um, uh, um, I didn't raise my daughter to be fiddled with cried the pussycat as she rescued her daughter from the violin factory. And okay. so you, they have to, no, it's these stupid, like old fashioned puns and riddles, but they have to like mime every single word. And so they've got all these weird signals. Like if you hook your two pinkies together facing outward, that means plural. And if you put your thumb against the side of your nose, that means a slang word. So, like, if you wanted to okay. change you into ya, for example. And it's, like, all, like, these really odd... It's basically they're doing, like, a pigeon sign language almost. Okay. And it's fascinating to watch. If, if you're curious about it, Unanimous, look on YouTube for Party Game CHCH, which is the, the TV station that it aired on, uh, that produced it in Canada in the 70s. I imagine it's especially popular for those people who have listed favorite episodes enumeratedly in a spreadsheet <laughs> as well. I'll just throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Humphrey starts miming the results of the race. You know, he, he grabs the inside of his trousers to indicate inside leg. Mm-hmm. And then he, um, he starts trying to uh, mime playing up, which means that the horse is um, doing something unusual, which means that he's relieving stress before the, rela- the race, right? So if you see a horse that's like acting weirdly, like you think like, oh, did it just take some cocaine itself? How much cocaine are we talking about on this episode of the podcast? Uh, Um, We are not on cocaine. We do not support or... Neither of... Yeah, we're not. Anyway. um, Although, wouldn't that be what someone on cocaine would say? (laughs) We just take... We we have cups of tea before we record. That's exactly what's happening. A little lively, that's all. Lots of builder's tea. (laughs) So he's trying to mind playing, and he starts by kicking... A, an imaginary ball and then jumping rope and then getting them to say the letter P and then say that that's all playing. So he's playing up. All right. Oh, so I get that. Playing jump rope, playing soccer football. Playing ball. Like, right. They somehow yeah. get playing out of all of that. Okay. I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Right. So playing means they're getting ready. Playing up means playing up means that the horse is relieving stress. Like the horse is getting ready for the race. Oh, okay. Like he's, He's like kicking things or he's like doing a weird trot. He's doing some kind of unusual behavior. How lucky for you to know does. all this from watching uh, Guys and Dolls. I exactly, mean, right? Um, so the next thing that he's trying to mime is under starter's orders. So he gets them to do under. And then he takes out his bill pad. His, his um, bill pad. And you see Mrs. Slocum trying to figure it out. And she goes directly from bill pad to orders somehow. Because... <laughs> I, I don't know if you'd call that taking a customer's order because you're actually writing out the receipt or the note or the chit or the credit. How she got to orders, I don't know. I think it was the last episode where I laughed because I was taking something extremely seriously. And maybe this is your episode <laughs> to say this is, that. This is know. my episode to take this really <laughs> seriously, right? And then we get a great just hysterical gag where – uh, Mr. Humphreys is miming there off by taking his pants down and expo- <laughs> exposing his uh, boxer shorts with the hearts on them. Right? It's so cute. And and then he immediately starts like galloping 
Right. Which, and he does such a good job, and he's, like, holding up his trousers, and he he puts his arm out as if he's, like, holding the reins, and it, it looks very convincing. Right. That is such a cute... When I think of Mr. Humphreys being... Or John Inman being so clever, I think of him doing this scene because of that, how it's just fluid. And this is just years and years and years of acting, being on the stage, live with in front of people. He knows how to move his body. His body is an instrument. So it's just really good. I love this scene. Yeah. Um, And then we get the other horse. We get the name of the other horse that is neck and neck, that is... um, may win the race that, you know, is competing against inside leg. And so he sticks his arm out with the limp wrist motion <laughs> while he while he's trotting, mind you. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very comical. And they start listing the horses and they finally get to Holiday Queen. That's the one. And I love Mrs. Slocum's like, well, just A, B, C, <laughs> D. And she goes through all of the letters. And he's looking at his watch <laughs> to my, yeah. With her um, great big... Giant purple hair. It's so funny. It, it turns out that um, Inside Leg wins the race, and they've all gotten their bonus money back, right? Yay. So, um, Mr. Harmon gives back all the belongings that they pawned. They are have broken even from where they were before. Everything is um, hunky dory. Uh, Mr. Rumbold comes down to ask if any of them happened to hear from a customer who won the three thirty at Ascot, mm-hmm. and they said yes. I think it was Inside Leg. I heard someone say. Well, Rumble says, well, I hope, you know, the next race is just as well because Mr. Grace has parlayed my bonus onto a oh something God. called a cert in the 20 to 1. And of course, he's, he's so highborn, he doesn't know what that means because it's he doesn't dirty know what it betting. Means, right? The horse that they're betting on at the next race is called King of the Fairies. <laughs> Mr. Humphreys, how do you fancy King of the Fairies at 4 o'clock? Because he's just come up from the radio apartment. He hasn't heard any of this. I don't finish work till half past five. <laughs> Mr. Humphreys, how do you fancy King of the Fairies at four o'clock? I don't finish work till half past five. I love that he doesn't, doesn't skip a beat. Whatever King of the Fairies is, he's, he's good. Yeah, he doesn't know that it's a horse. <laughs> Mr. Harmon calls his bookie and they all start twitching like <laughs> Captain Peacock does, right? Except Wendy Richard breaks and it's hysterical. She can't oh. keep it up, right? Love Wendy Richard. I will say, and that's the end of the episode, right? And that's, that's the it. end. That's I, it. Having a couple episodes ago, we talked about how Wendy Richards had a very public um, dealt dealing with cancer. And yep. she made it very public. And she had a film documentary, a BBC thing, kind of follow her around through her chemotherapy treatments. And it's so interesting knowing that very intimate part of her life. Now seeing her, you know, 1985, young again. And then she's just on the cusp of this great career being in EastEnders. Um, it's so interesting to think that to see someone so intimately exposing their life at the end of their life mm-hmm. and then thinking her entire sunrise, sunset of her career and seeing her get an award by the like the UK soap opera people and then seeing her young again and just watching her break. And anyway, I, I just I never really had a great not a great, but a very deep personal connection to Wendy Richard. But after mm-hmm. spending that much time watching her kind of explain to people that chemotherapy isn't as bad as you think it is, blah, blah, blah. And I just have this weird, cool connection. Um, and I always had that with John Inman and Mrs. Slocum, but now I have that for Wendy Richard, which is kind of cool that so I never, yeah. never really thought I would. So it's cool to, to, to watch her break like that. It's very human. Yeah. So what the hell do we do next week? So next week is the nightclub, and that's the one where they film the commercial for Club Rendezvous, (laughs) and then they go to the cinema to see the commercial. (laughs) And we see something very unearthly happen to Mrs. Slocum's hair. Uh, Yes, we do. We 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 also see a bit of uh, drag as as well from Mr. Humphreys, not from Mr. Captain Peacock this time. Indeed we do. And unanimous, you will also hear from a special co-host next episode. Ooh, that's very interesting. We won't tell you much more, but um, there's a transatlantic flight coming to northern Mississippi. (laughs) So that's all we're going to say. That's all we're going to say. We've had a South American, well, not a South American, a Southern Hemispherian fly to northern Mississippi. Our friend uh, Dean. Hello, Dean. Mm -hmm. Uh, But never anyone from Europe. So... That's going to be fun. And Mr. Brandon, if any of our unanimous are interested in co-hosting in one of our future episodes for Are You Being Served Again, Stroke, Grace, and Favor, or they just have something to share, or if they recognize where that rooftop set is from, 
How can they get in touch with us? Well, I'm glad you answered, Mr. Jeffrey. You can get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter, Does It Madam. Uh, you can email us at that does suit madam with an E. Ding. There's no ding in the email. You know what we're talking about. You've listened to 67 episodes so far. <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, but also, we are still accepting submissions for our unanimous episode. Uh, we're not going to be reviewing an episode of the series. This is after we record the episode for uh, the pop star. Uh, it's just an episode about you, the unanimous listenership. Um, we want to know what you think about the podcast. Has your um, view on Are You Being Served changed for the better or for the worse uh, since listening to us, right, yammer on for so many weeks about the show? Um, have you identified with someone and has that ch- changed to a different character? I think I just said that I'm kind of much more interested in Wendy Richard, uh, Miss Brahms, towards the end of the show. So that'd be interesting to hear from you all. So, um, Leave us a message on the Peacock hotline. That's 662-PEACOCK-662-732-2625. If you're not in the United States and you don't want to call long distance to leave us a funny voicemail, uh, just record an audio file on your smartphone and email it to us. That works just as well. And you also don't need to forget to go grab some merchandise because we've sold out at the Bargain Basement Shop at imfree.threadless.com. And with that, Mr. Jeff, as always, you've, you've all, all done, done very well. Bye. Bye. That does it, madam, is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. There is no guarantee of winning when it comes to gambling, and the loss of money is always a possibility. Quite right. 